Hello and welcome to True Crime Diary, in which we look at the annals of true crime to find events that happened on this week in history. I'm your host, Mark Decano, and with me are my friends, Jed Lester. All right. And Rue Turner. Hello. This season has been a season of firsts. We've had our first recording on location. Uh, uh, yes, we and, have. Um, Slash only. Yeah. Well, yeah, first. All right, fine. Uh, yeah. We've had our first guest. In fact, we've had our first two guests. We have season. had two guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now we're having our first rewind episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this season is a season of firsts. And our Shaking rewind episode, up. our rewind episode is to look at our first episode. Quite right. And if Jed remembers this episode, that'll be another first. <laughs> it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be two episodes I won't remember. <laughs> two episodes of the same subject. <laughs> I've listened to all of them. I must admit, I haven't listened to the first episode because I thought, oh, God, this is going to be, we didn't know, I mean, we barely know what we're doing now. So imagine the, <laughs> the first episode. I listened to Guy Fawkes. I've probably listened to these ones four times. Fawkes, wow. Cooper. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Your favourite one. Mm-hmm. Thames yeah. Torso. Yeah. Those ones, I reckon I've... I mean, not like, you know, in a row or anything, but every... <laughs> like, when I'm on a flight or something like that... Yeah. I thought, yeah, uh... Thames Torso. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll listen to it, obviously. Is, but... is the reason that you listen to them over and over because you've forgotten that you've listened to them over and over before? <laughs> or recorded them. Um, yeah. I mean, for instance, Ruth Ellis. Mm. I mean, yeah. who's she? <laughs> <laughs> you know. You what? Ruth who? Oh, I haven't heard this one. Really? What happens here? I'm pretty sure she got away. <laughs> but anyway, I listened to the first 10 minutes and I thought, oh, yeah, uh, we're all finding our feet, obviously. Yeah. But the only thing I would say in our defence is that we slash you um, chose quite a heavy, hard-hitting ep one. And understandably, it's not a laugh a minute. Whereas in recent ones, we've obviously chosen subjects that we want to talk about, but we've also chosen ones that we can go, I don't know, we're he, pirates. (laughs) No pirates. There's no pirates. (laughs) Um, As opposed to, because I personally, obviously, not overly bothered about talking about, you know, mass murder that's within the last few years. I don't mind if it's victorian or something yeah yeah that's fine but it was quite um i mean it's quite hard hitting basically isn't it yeah Yeah. obviously it was dictated by the date for one it was but also i think i chose that one at the time because i just thought it would be one that would be well known enough that people might want to take an interest in it but they might not know the detail about i mean that goes for all of them really but i'm just looking at the first three Hmm. They're all a bit um, murder involved. Yeah. Ellis, Crippin. Yeah, we are Gordon. we are a true crime yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But then we, but then we kind of we? relax a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then we relax a bit with the Mona Lisa and a bit of yeah uh, propaganda and all soft edged and heisty and heists. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Mind you, with Dennis Nielsen. But anyway. Yeah. But true. it was just listening back, it it felt more serious 
than it perhaps is now. When I when I was rereading the material for Ruth Ellis, I actually thought that that ep- not the episode but the content is even sadder, more tragic, and depressing yeah. than it was when I first researched it. Yeah, I mean that's the well, other thing. Because of, of our voice, not nice. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of our idiocy, the um, it's not it's not very nice, is it? The uh, no, the tale, no. no, and it's no. just not it's not open and shut or as straightforward as you'd like to think it would be. Sure, you know, sure. it's not woman shoots man, she gets hung, hanged. Yeah, it's just you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. It's more not to... that. It's not that simple. There's a lot of it, um, backstory. Yes, of course. Yeah, did it do in the kind of order of mm. uh, pod downloads? I mean, yeah. I know it was the first one, and it's technically had nearly two years to to be downloaded. Yeah, but was it was it popular? Well, again, as our first episode, it was a slow burner because people wouldn't heard of you know we didn't have any subscribers. Who we are? Hmm. But it is the second most downloaded overall to date. Is it over, really? over the last two years? Yeah. After uh, the, the first one is um, the Great Train Robbery, mm-hmm. which was yeah, comparatively like recent. It because of uh, at the time as it was our first stab, so to speak. If you'll pardon the pun. Yeah. Well, it wasn't one, but never mind. Uh, right. the, first uh, shot. <laughs> first, it was a, that shot in the dark, so to speak. It was um, the audio was an incredible. There was lots of ums and ahs in it, and you know, lack of, a little, I suppose, lack of confidence. Um, I've so I've remastered it basically. I've re, I've uh, revisited and I've done. What is what do you call audio. that in when you redo the CD? Uh, it's remastered. Remastered it. Is it? <laughs> Go back to the master is tapes it? and you cut it again. Yeah. Blue the Blu-ray version. Yeah, yeah. I went. I, I went to the direct. It's the director's cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure, yeah. I went to the cloud filing cabinet and yeah. dug out the original master tapes. The director's cut that nobody's been asking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've changed the audio slightly to make it better balance and cleared a little bit of the hiss and pop out of it. And I've added in yeah, some extra, idea. Some extra fact, sound effects and parts. There are some... <laughs> and this is nobody's fault in the slightest. But in the first 10 minutes, there's some hilariously long pauses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, is my, is my phone working? <laughs> you know, have I, have I pressed pause or something? But yeah. The, uh, and I was like, oh, hang on. Well, interestingly, this this first episode was only thirty minutes long, even with all the long, the dramatic pauses. It yeah, was, sure. It was quite short. Whereas now, I don't know if anyone knows this, but we normally talk for about an hour and a half, two hours, out of which yeah. I get probably about yeah forty five, fifty minutes episode, or maybe a little and bit the, longer. Out of which two hours of which me and Rue don't know what <laughs> yeah. happened. <laughs> don't know, yeah, I don't remember it. It's a good job you don't remember it really, because I don't need to have I two hours. <laughs> How can you have two hours to edit when I speak for about 45 seconds of that two hours? <laughs> Speaking of audio, listeners, we're back to the Zoom uh, yeah. method of communication, mainly because I've got COVID, yeah. as you can tell by my 10% sexier voice. <laughs> and after two years, we just don't like hanging out with him. Yeah, that's yeah. It. So, and also, we may as well come clean. <laughs> the uh, We've run out of records. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark unhelpfully went on holiday yeah rude for a long time 
and me and Rue don't do anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I, it's all... I don't leave the house. <laughs> That's not true. Well, if, my point is, if you're away, nothing happens. Well, yeah. Rue can draw all his daubings, all he <laughs> likes. For this episode, we're going to re-release, or release, I should say, our first Rewind episode. Yep. As I say, we've remastered, re-edited, and I've changed a little bit. We're doing this little... Made it brief, better. Made it better. Do this brief introduction, and basically look back um, at that first episode. So as you say, two years have gone by, we've been doing this podcast. Lots changed in the way we do it, and it might sound a little bit different now, but also the BBC are revisiting and reviewing uh, their show called uh, The Ruth Ellis Files, A Very British Crime Story. That's an excellent series, I think. Oh, right. Episode one is out at the moment, and episode two, I believe, comes out tomorrow as we record. Yeah. Um, How many um, are there? Three. It's quite an in-depth look at the evidence that was not bothered to be looked into at the time. <laughs> oh, really? Which is, yeah, I mean, it's not really even fresh evidence. It's just stuff they just didn't bother. Just wow. didn't bother their backsides with. Because it just, you know, she said, I'm guilty. So that's that. That's all we need to know. Oh, that's what you mean. I was going to say, would it have changed uh, I think it would absolutely everything. have changed the outcome. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, God. <laughs> even more depressing. Yeah, which means that our first episode would have probably been about Stylo Christoffi instead of Ruth Ethis, who was the because that was the penultimate second... woman to have been hung. Yes, hanged, right. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. but because she did it, but well, you, can right. examine, you can examine <laughs> why. That. Yeah, it's, it's again, it's not as straightforward as that. It, she was <laughs> <laughs> she was driven there by her other boyfriend. Yes. Um, what was his name? I've forgotten. Cousin? No. Cus- Cousins. Yeah. And the gun belonged to Cousin. Yeah. And Cousin was also carrying a gun of his own. Like, both of the guns belonged to Cousin. Oh, I didn't know um, he had a gun. We did. One we of mentioned, them was his service we? one that he picked up in South yeah. Africa. We mentioned, didn't we, in the episode that he drove her there, I think, and gave I her the gun. I think we probably did, actually. Yeah. 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 So I, I will agree wholeheartedly. So he's an, he's an accessory. He's an accessory. Yeah. yeah he should have yeah. been prosecuted as well. But I wouldn't have changed the outcome for her. No. It was also never discussed or even mentioned that she was repeatedly and brutally battered by him. True. By who? Not the cousin. Blakely. No, not cousin. By yeah, Blakely, yeah. yeah. He's, by not way, a cousin. He's not a cousin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. His name is Cousins. He's not a cousin. I thought he was a cousin. As in soap. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So he's not um, squeaky clean. Hey, isn't it? Haven't we done cases where if you are an accessory, you still get the same verdict? Um, I think you're thinking of Bentley and Craig. Yes, exactly. But the driving there, each of them carrying a gun. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you could argue that that's quite joint enterprise, couldn't you? Yeah. And he almost certainly would have been involved in the planning of it. You don't just sure, give someone yeah. a lift to a murder and not really understand it. You know? Yeah. I mean, he, she, he was his cousin, though, wasn't she? <laughs> she asked him to take her. I think they were both pretty drunk at the time, to be honest. But um, she asked him to they take... Always, they always seem to be drunk. Yeah. Whenever I've heard any recording of them, they're always drunk. I don't know. We, we know yeah. he gave her the gun. We know that. And she said, yeah. as, 
she said as much. I mean, yeah, I mean, what we're arguing here is nothing in Ellis's favour at all. We're just saying that he sh- he should have been prosecuted uh, and either imprisoned or hanged yes. as, as well. So, Basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I agree with that completely. And it's, it's but it doesn't change. Her defence yeah. on... was provided by the Daily Mirror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, oh, yes, it was, they do not it? have an interest in this going really boringly. You know, yeah, well, yeah. yes, I forgot yeah. about that. That it was, wasn't it? Totally provided by them. Yeah, I mean, the trial, the, the, the trial. She basically just said, "Yeah, I did it. I meant to do it. Let's get on with it," kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it, that's the, in a nutshell. But yeah, it was just, <laughs> the only reason that anyone was arguing in her favour was to keep the story going. I think. Yeah, very sad. <laughs> The reality of the situation it should never have got to the point that it did get to because blakely was no. a nasty piece of work what's the name of that yeah what's the name yeah, of that it was doc it's the ruth ellis files I think. what's it on on the bbc bbc yeah, right. i'm gonna bbc4 bbc4 okay i'm gonna watch that so everyone should listen to this episode as they hopefully still are <laughs> listen to the episode we recorded two years ago and then watch the Documentary on BBC Four. Watch Ellis the Files. actual. <laughs> watch the actual. Watch the, the experts. In a professional documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so the date we're looking at this time is the 13th of July, and in 1955, Ruth Ellis became the last woman to be hanged in Britain. She killed her lover David Blakely and stood over the body, saying, "I'm guilty," and a little confused. She was arrested by an off-duty policeman and immediately confessed to the crime. Sounds fascinating. So, Ruth Ellis, what do we know about her? I don't know much, but I will say she clearly had a an idol that was Marilyn because... She looked like that's Marilyn, why, by That's why she had the haircut. She clearly wanted to look like Marilyn. She The haircut was very of the time. You must think I was born yesterday. Yes. I mean, she definitely modelled herself with her, her platinum blonde looks on Marilyn, definitely. Fantastic story. Thank you, Professor Monroe. Um, Ellis was very popular. She was considered quite the beauty. Right, okay. She started her career, as we know it, uh, in nude modelling. And then she got a job in the court club in London and became a prostitute. Oh, right. I was about to say, what, what kind of club is it? Gentleman's club. A gentleman's club, yes. Wasn't tennis then? Wasn't a tennis club. <laughs> so she was born about 1926. Um, the family moved to London weirdly during the war. So it was about 1941. And she, when she was 17, she had her first pregnancy. And she had a son who they called Andy. His name was Claire Andre, and he lived with Ellis's mother. So he'll come. His up name again. was Claire. His name was Claire. We could, they called him Andy. Okay. Claire was his father's name, so the son was named Claire. If you're confused now, just oh, yeah. wait. <laughs> but on the way she was brought up, it's a surprise that she did her father the honour of naming her son after him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a bad upbringing. He wasn't a nice man. Oh, right. Oh, but, okay. um, you know, they say women marry their fathers, and he was a, a drunk and an abusive father, and so was everyone that she had <laughs> relations with well, oh, afterwards. Right. Okay. So she found her type. She was headstrong. There's no denying that. She was very forthright. She knew the kind of man that she wanted to be around. So this, this is setting up the type of relationship that she would have. So primarily her income was working at a club, which was what? It wasn't, it was a brothel. Was it was, it? A, well, it was a gentleman's club. So she would be serving drinks. So she was, was a hostess. Part of the. Yes, she was hostess. Duty. Um, but the owner of the club basically 
had slept uh, with all of the hostesses. Oh, right. Oh, okay. And she made her living after that pretty much. So this is about 1950 now. She made her living off of um, prostitution and um, hostessing at the club. In her role as a prostitute, she got pregnant again. This time it was aborted, which would have been illegal at the time. And in, in November of 1950, she married uh, George Johnson Ellis. Her born name was uh, Hornby, Ruth Hornby. Her father changed that to Nielsen. But then she married George Johnson Ellis, who was a divorcee. He was a dentist. He had two kids. And he was not a nice man. He was very like her dad. He was violent. He was uh, an alcoholic who was very jealous. Right. Did, it, did they guy. meet at the club? Yes. Okay, fine. There's a pattern. There's energy. a pattern. So you can imagine someone who would go to that kind of, course, of a club. Yeah, yeah. But she, she left him many times, but she always went back. They had a daughter named Georgina. Another pattern. Father's name George, daughter's name Georgina. Oh, right, yeah. So in 1953, she becomes manager of the place called The Little Club in Knightsbridge. So we're now talking she's in the West End. So she's come to a better club. She's West End Club. There's celebrities going in there. She's the manager now, not just a hostess. And in there she's meeting. She's rubbing shoulders with people who've you know, been on in the theatre. And uh, she knows of a racing driver. And through this racing driver, she meets David Blakely, who's also uh, a racing driver. Um, he's... Unlike her, he's got quite a well-to-do background. He's public school. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he was educated at Sandhurst, but he's also a bit of a drinker. And at this time, he's already engaged to someone. And again, this is a pattern of behaviour because he's constantly having an affair. He's he's engaged to Mary Dawson, but he's sleeping around. So he meets Ruth Ellis, and almost immediately moves into her flat above the club with her, even though he's engaged. This is quite a sort of a social transformation from. A young girl brought up in real in North Wales, mm. you know, which is a not a particularly well-developed area at that time. It would have been rough and full of drinking men's clubs and stuff. And yes, yeah. To now be living essentially the high life in London with famous people. Must yeah, have been it's quite pretty so. exciting in some ways. Despite all of the abuse going on. Well, yeah. I mean, but that's what she's been used to. So Yeah, that's normality, I suppose. Exactly. So, uh, it wouldn't have been anything out of the ordinary for her. The only thing that changed in her life was moving up market and rubbing shoulders with, you know, people she reads about in magazines and newspapers. A higher class of abuser. Well, the, um, the only thing I know, well, the, I don't know much about uh, David, but I've heard that he's generally hideous uh, individual. He's a drinker. He's a womanizer. So yeah, it's not a. Sh- it's quite a short walk to abuse from there. Mm. I can be a jerk and no one can stop me. Um, she gets pregnant again. This is her fourth pregnancy now. This one is also aborted. This one is uh, pregnant by Blakely. Then Ellis meets Desmond Cusson, and now Cusson is a bit more respectable. He's ex-RAF. Um, he's in a family business, Cusson and Co. They're like in uh, in tobacco. They're tobacconists. Cousins. Cousins. Cussons. <laughs> so she moves in with him now. Ellis has moved in with Cusson, but she's still seeing Blakely at the same time, and Blakely's still seeing other women. Now, apparently, Actually. they got engaged, inverted commas, or they arranged that they would get engaged. Engaged to be engaged. Engaged to be engaged, exactly. They made an agreement that they would be married, sure. but of course, you know, he's too busy. That's engaged. never going to happen. And then um, in January in 1955, she was uh, pregnant again. It's her fifth pregnancy now. 
However, this one was a miscarriage because in one of their great arguments, Blakely punched her really hard in the stomach and forced a miscarriage. No doubt, deliberately, I would imagine, but... Yeah. You bastard! I make you regret that! And it worked, did it? it yeah, she miscarried. Eyes, I mean. Yeah, she miscarried. But what we've seen is we've really, really established a pattern of the, the fact that her type is horrible, horrible men. Okay, really nasty piece of work. How do you know what a pretty girl wants? Except for Cusson, apparently. More on him in a bit. But, um, you know, she's lived a life of abusive childhood. She's got abusive relationships. She's had uh, pregnancies, abortions, pregnancies, miscarriage. It's prostitution, surrounded by lecherous old men in smoky clubs. Sometimes my brain gets real starved. So it's possibly no surprise that after, you know, had more and more arguments, that on the 10th of April, which was an Easter Sunday, this is 1955, Ellis went out looking for Blakely. She took a taxi, apparently, to Hampstead, um, from where she walked down to the Magdala pub. Yep. Still there, it's closed. Yeah, it's closed. They're trying to open it this year. The Ellis. No, it's the Magdala pub, and Blakely's car was parked outside. So she waits in the doorway of the, the shop next door until he comes out. So she knew he was drinking there or she hanging out there. there. Yeah. Saw his car. Saw his car. Yep. He's obviously inside because he's a drinker. Sure. Yep. He comes out with a friend of his called um, Clive Gunnell. She sees him. She's waiting in the doorway. She steps out and basically fires a gun at him. Right. She misses, so he tries to run. Um, he runs around the car. She chases after him, shoots again. He goes down. And then she stands over him and fires three shots into him. So, in fact, so close is she that there's actually powder burns on the, on the wounds from the gun. Uh, she then she tried to fire a sixth time, but the gun sort of, sort of jammed. Yeah, and when she got it to fire, it actually she wasn't pointing at him, so it ricocheted. <laughs> then it hit someone else, hit a bystander who was wounded. Wow! And then um, quite calmly, she asked Clive to call the police. So basically, we're talking about we're obviously talking about murder, but we are literally in the eyes of the law, we're talking about murder one as opposed to anything else, basically, aren't we? You go out there with intent and then carry out the crime. Yeah. Exactly. And then say, um, I know you saw me do it, but I did it. Yeah. You are... There's, that's the highest category of killing. Yeah. And you're talking first-degree murder. First-degree yeah. is, like, premeditated. Now, it's interesting, we didn't really have it like that at, at the time. Oh, okay. Well, surely we do have it now in that respect, but British law is a bit strange. So, at the time, the charge would have been murder. There's no degrees of murder. Crimes right. of passion aren't really recognised. So, a manslaughter was still murder. I mean, I know manslaughter is murder, but, but there is a difference. Yeah, well, manslaughter is, is an accidental hmm. death. Um, Killing without intent. Yeah, exactly. So, so the way the way my understanding is this: murder one is premeditated intent to kill. Yeah. Uh, second degree is uh, crime of passion. So you intended to kill in that moment. You didn't plan it. That, that could be argued for a um, defence lawyer. Yeah, you get it down to murder too. But again, yeah. in Britain in oh, 1950, sorry, yeah, yeah. you did it. It was murder, right. That, was that's it. Right, okay. And then you also, you kind of have third degree, which is that you, I think it's you intended to harm, but not to kill. 
so you killed someone you didn't intend to kill them you intended to harm them you could probably argue as well yeah and then manslaughter is you didn't intend to do anything but they somebody died very interesting but too long should be short and sweet but that is a modern take on it now bear in mind you're talking about british justice in the 1950s you shot a gun someone died it's murder you hang Yes, and no there's no other no other sentence. So if it. that was to happen today, forget, ignore the um, degrees of murder. Mm. If that were to happen today, you would what would happen? Would it be it would be life life in prison? But we're talking twenty five year stretch, it and could then be diminished responsibility. It could be, yeah, yeah, and then and then it would also be. If there was such a thing as good behaviour, she she could. It, Modern day, she could easily be out within fifteen years, couldn't she? I would, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I could be remembering this wrong, but was there not a case where a woman was abused by her partner long term for many, many years, killed him, I've deliberately heard killed him, yeah, yeah. but was pretty much allowed to go? Sure. Yeah, I think they There's argued self-defence, didn't they? Yeah, because it was a long term. You're literally sure, yeah. preventing yourself being harmed anymore. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's difficult to look back and see how it would have been. Then compared to now, but so I mean, the, mo- the modern day version could have been she could have argued a lesser degree, and ultimately, it, with good behaviour, she would have been she would have got out. But by yeah. the time the seventies came round, yeah, she would have been out basically. I mean, if they'd argued, you know, abusive behaviour, um, yeah, and, and obviously background of it and everything else, and, and crime of passion, which, as I say was never really a thing in in britain people who in france um people have very deliberately planned and committed murder and got off or got le- very small sentences in the past because it was considered a crime of passion right, which right. of course is a big thing in france imagine whereas in britain of... we're too stoic to be passionate about something imagine the amount of people who were hung but weren't guilty i'm talking about yeah Spousal abuse wasn't really a crime in the 50s in the UK. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. In fact, um, spousal it was rape wasn't even in the statutes until 1991. Well, it was, again, it's it's part of this. It's it's, it's a horrible patriarchy. At the, um, now, I mean, you know, you could argue that now, but at the time, it was just literally the wife is the homemaker. You stay at home. Right. You do what I tell you. Yeah. And that's it. You don't have a life of your own. And if you're going out to do a job, it's because. I sent, you. I sent you, or I expect it of you. So, the police turned up, presumably? Well, there was an off-duty policeman who actually placed her under arrest. When he arrested her, she said, I'm guilty, I'm, I'm a little confused. So he took her in, and she confessed um, at the station. They wrote out a confession. Yep. A confession that's well, less than three pages long. Yeah, well, something that comes up by modern standards. Does the length matter? Is basic. Yeah, it's like, it? there's no detail in it at all. There's nothing. Yeah, confession. Oh, right. And it starts with the three words "I am guilty." Full stop. Yes, and in fact, and I'm sure that they could have been taken if someone from you know a third party was to read that. They would go, "Hang on, this is very short and succinct." So it's probably like the police wrote it and said, yeah. "Sign that." However. In fairness, Ruth Ellis was a big fan of brevity. I mean, most of the statements she makes are really short. I'm glad I killed the bastard. But she's got every opportunity before trial, at trial, and subsequently to appeal or, you know, make an address of some kind. And if she doesn't, she specifically says, I don't want to appeal. Hmm. So it's succinct, but that's, as, as I say, when she shot 
Blakely, she said to Clive Gunnell, you know, go and call the police, Clive, or words to that effect. And then when the policeman arrived, she said, I'm guilty, I'm confused. It's literal short sentences. What was the date of meeting uh, Blakely and murder? Well, it's less than two years. My sort of, my general feel about the whole situation was by this time, I mean, to just how it felt to me was that she'd had this life. I mean, she'd been abused sexually by her father when she was a little girl. And she'd been abused since then by practically every man she'd ever met. Mm. Physically abused, sexually abused. And she almost got to a point in her life where she thought, this has got to stop. Yeah. I'm going to end this. It doesn't matter what happens to me after that. It mm. can't be worse than this. My yeah. life can't get worse. I'll just... Mm. I'll kill him. I love him, but I'll kill him and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. She's right. I didn't. I don't know the detail about long, long-term kind of sexual abuse, but the notion of continued abuse is clearly apparent. Yeah, and what you said, Drew, about, you know, she loved him but he had to stop, it's, it's very true. I mean, she wrote, once she was in prison awaiting execution, she wrote to Blakely's parents and she said in, in the letter, she said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she said something along the lines of, I always loved your son and I'll, I will die loving him. She was in love. She was, you know, he was a, wow. a bastard, yeah. but she did love him. But and she, she wanted to die. She wanted to hang so she could be with him again. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Don't know what to say to that. No. Very interesting, but stupid. Um, okay, so 20th of June, still in 1955, this, the case goes up in uh, number one courtroom at Central Criminal Court, or what you and I would call the Old Bailey. Mm-hmm. And the Crown Prosecutor, one Mr. Christmas Humphreys. Yes, I've heard of him before. <laughs> um, he asked her one question. I mean, this has to go down as the shortest trial in British criminal history. Okay, yeah, yeah. He asked her one question, which was, when you fired the revolver at close range into the body of David Blakely, what did you intend to do? Yes, good question. Great question. You can see why I got the job, really. Yeah. And Ellis, her response was, it's obvious when I shot him, I intended to kill him. Right. Good answer. So, yeah. Succinct. <laughs> so, I mean, there you go. Bang. Done. Case closed. Was that it? Yeah. Pretty oh. much. <laughs> so, they didn't elaborate at all? Well, that's just, why he gets the big bucks. That's why he gets, yeah. Well, I don't know. If he'd stretched it out a bit, wouldn't he charge by the hour? <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't the whole back and forth but pretty much you know they could have just said right there you go bang lunch because that was it she just literally stood up there and said I killed him and that was and I intended I, when I shot him I intended to kill him so that's intention wow. and action I submit that this was not a hot-blooded crime of passion that at least could be understood if not condoned the jury was out for 20 minutes which is not long and if anything I'd say in that instance that was probably was a bit long because it was so cut and dry hmm if anything, I would say that they probably thought about it a bit longer because she was a woman. They came back oh, right. and said yes. guilty, obviously. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah. was so cut and dried. But why did it take 20 minutes to say that? Because it was so yeah. obvious. I think, if anything, it's because it was a woman. Because female killers in history, particularly around that time, have got a lot of attention because they're unusual. I think on some level, women don't mind the idea of destroying a man, you know? Right. Okay. I mean, bloke, blokes kill people left right and center we're terrible we're, was there yeah, any um, i killed a guy before you arrived this morning was there any <laughs> was there any um 
Was there any suggestion, obviously not in the trial, but in general culture, that the um, hanging was on its way out? Oh, yeah, Mm. absolutely. And again, the reason why it might have been 20 minutes to think about this is because the only possible outcome of a guilty verdict was death by hanging. Yes. No mitigation, nothing. And because the last man to hang was a lot later, wasn't it? Like 10 plus years? It was a a bit later. It wasn't that much. It was in the 60s. Right. It wasn't that much later. And there weren't many, in fairness... In that time, in that there time, weren't right, many that yeah. hanged, which possibly makes her hanging all the all the weirder. So it's being so. My, I mean, obviously, the they didn't know. Should we do one more hanging? You know, there was no such thing as. Yeah. Let's make this the last one. It, but it was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was just. Uh, it was being talked about, was it? The, it was being talked the, about. Um, yes. What do you call it? The banning of hanging. Yes, and in the same period as this. You've got Ruth Ellis, so she's a female killer, definitely guilty, but apparently a little bit possibly justified. Yep. Also around yeah. the same time, you've got um, Bentley of Bentley and Craig. Of course, yeah. Who was hanged and for was, a killing that he was... He definitely didn't do. Definitely yes, didn't, yes, kill, yes. Didn't, didn't commit, yeah. Yep. And also around this time, you've got Timothy Evans, who was hanged for the murder of his wife and child who it was later found out were victims of John Christie of Rillington Place fame. Yes, right, okay. So you've got now three hangings. One didn't do it. One, one definitely justified did. to do it. Yep. And another one who, who also didn't do it. And they all hang. Now you can't, you know, if someone's in life imprisonment, you can change things. But if you're hanged, you're hanged. And I think the main that was so the, the culture thing. was just becoming a bit. Actually, do you know what? It needs to be a bit less than black and white. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, okay. saying that you did it doesn't actually mean that you did it. Exactly. Well, Tim Evans confessed, but we know he was innocent. And Ruth Ellis confessed, and we believe that she did it. Bentley didn't confess. Bentley didn't even do it. And there were loads no. of policemen on the roof who of knew he didn't do it. But it still took ten years until hanging was, yeah, banned. But then, what was it? Within two years of that, diminished responsibility was given as a reason. Okay, yeah. so different degrees it. came in. Yeah. So within two years of her being hanged. Okay. Now, the, the one alternative that she did have available to her was um, insanity, but she was examined three times: once by the defence, once by the prosecution, and after her arrest before it went to court proceedings. She examined three times, and none of them found any reason to to believe that she could plead insanity. It's not as if she were a, a maniac, a raving thing. She's guilty. guilty. She's yes. now awaiting a sentence to be carried out. Yep. Okay. Of which there is only one verdict. Of which there is only one. Yep. Well, she's sentenced to hang. So right. we're waiting. Yep. She's now waiting for that. Now, see, uh, she fires the, the lawyer, who is Cousin's cousin. Yeah. Cousin's cousin. Cousin's cousin, yep. Cousin of cousin. His job is essentially over unless she's going to appeal. She didn't want to appeal. Sure, right. So she fired him. She called in um, Mission and Simmons, who was the solicitor she wanted to write her last will and testament to. Now, she told them something that she didn't bring up at her trial, which was about cousin. Hmm. So apparently cousin gave her the gun, showed her how to shoot it, and then drove her to the end of the road. Oh, right. Hang on. Twist. Twist. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask about where she got the gun, but I, then I, I kind of thought, 
oh, she'll kind of hang out with nefarious types, so it might have been quite easy. But anyway, it turns out there's there's a twist. Yeah, well, Cussons at XRAF. And Ooh, there you go. This yeah. Is, yeah. Probably had one. He probably had one, yeah. He had more than one, I imagine. Yeah. This I mean, is it's that post war period where everyone had everyone a gun had in the a... drawer in the kitchen. Everyone had a gun. Right, they, were right. just... they were here, there, everywhere. A whole bunch of them. Literally, yeah, you demob to get off the boat. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you just go home with your full army kit. Of course. There were two right. or three in my granddad's house. Oh, there you go. Kids. And we used to pull them out and play with them. There was a Luger <laughs> in there and okay. they had brought back from Germany. You know. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> he was in the SS. It's fine. Oh, right. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, and bayonets and all sorts. You know. Yeah. Who's going to have a bayonet lying around? Oh, yeah. Hang on. <laughs> so that's all very interesting information. Of course, the trial's over now. Oh, right. So oh, because her, uh, her abrupt confession hmm. made the trial very go very quickly they kind of didn't have time to ask any other <laughs> well um, yeah this didn't come how up. did you where did you get the but she didn't volunteer this information until she was sure, writing yeah. her will you know and it's um well it's too late isn't it there's no they it's the verdict has been delivered yeah well again they've still got opportunity to to appeal but she specifically said when she was telling them this information not to use it in any attempt to appeal hmm. the, the sentence which is weird that's, that's, yeah, let's be honest, yeah. it's really strange. She's, no, she's making no effort. In fact, she's she's um, deliberately going up against any attempt to get her off the, yeah. the death sentence. They did investigate this claim, but the Home Secretary at the time, one Lloyd George, <laughs> Willem Lloyd George, mm-hmm. he's the Home Secretary, and now he said that it wouldn't have made any difference if that had been the case, because all that would have done was proved premeditation. Um, even more so. If they'd arranged yeah, to have yeah, the gun course, and have yeah. her dropped off, they would have said, well, that just proves it was premeditated, yes, so it yes. don't make the, any difference at okay. all. She's still yeah. going to hang. This, uh, the Home Secretary was, was quite fun because um, the judge, Judge Havers, having passed sentence, he appealed to the Home Secretary because even he knew that, you know, maybe this isn't a hanging. The judge appealed? The judge in the case who pronounced sentence, he appealed to the Home Secretary okay. to, to have him uh, arrange clemency. And there was a, a, a petition for clemency that got 50,000 signatures. So you can see, you know, there's a lot of people in her corner, even if she's not. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, the, uh, I'm pretty sh- I mean, as far as not the verdict necessarily, didn't want her, don't want her to hang, but I'd, she'll have had so many people on her side in general, the public. Mm. Quite interesting. One of the things the Home Secretary said, because he's listen to what everyone said and he made this this comment apparently because the bystander got shot with the ricochet bullet he said can't have people shooting off guns in the street yeah it's like I'm not, there's no clemency because we can't can't have it yes can't be allowed shouldn't be allowed sure, disgusting yeah, yeah. <laughs> down with this sort of thing down with this sort of thing boo to all of it <laughs> something about the time I think they're sort of saying well no we're not having that good lord so to the gallows she goes So anyway, so there's an appeal. So his sister, she's got a sister named Muriel, uh, Muriel Jacobate, mm-hmm. who at the age of 81, um, in 2003, her appeal was uh, thrown out by the appeal court. Although yeah. there was criticism about the Criminal Cases Review Commission's handling of the uh, review, the fact of the matter is that um, the appeal court ruled that the decision had to be made according to the law at the time. 
So now in modern modern law, you yes, can reduce. Course, yeah. You could you know you can basically bargain your way down mm. to manslaughter or, or or what have you. I mean, it's, it's horrendous. Yeah. Would it have? What? Sorry. What was the? I uh, think the argument was. Uh, what they would have called battered woman syndrome. Yes, right. Which is okay. basically, yeah, which is completely understandable. She yeah. was arguably defending herself, but it was thrown out because the law at the time was the law at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not really a pretty picture for her whole family. I mean, her father George George Ellis in 50, 1958 he hanged himself. Her mother attempted suicide in nineteen sixty nine. When she was disinterred from Holloway Prison, she was reburied in Amersham, and the son Andy he destroyed the headstone wow and it had her it had, it had ruth hornby was the name on the, mm-hmm. on the headstone, her original name so he destroyed the headstone and in 1982 he he killed himself although what's interesting about that is his funeral was paid for by christmas humphreys the prosecution wow, wow. that's interesting and it? apparently judge havers had been sending him money the so the son Andy he killed himself, but the daughter Georgina she she lived on. She she died um, at the age of fifty from from cancer, but she didn't uh, she didn't kill herself like everyone else. So, this sounds like a stupid question, but um, obviously the father killed himself three years after her hanging. Yes. Do we know why he killed himself? Oh, he was an alcoholic, and right. yeah, he's just yeah. And how, just how a, did he kill himself? He hanged himself. He hanged himself. Yeah. Poetic. Well, uh, he earned it. <laughs> well, this has been a joyful roller coaster. Mm, yeah, so let's yeah, end yeah. with a, something a little bit more fun. So here's an interesting fact. Oh yeah. So in 1951, Ruth Ellis got a small bit part in a movie called Lady Godiva Rides Again. Yes. Okay. Now Stella, I've heard of that. It's yeah. That's British, is it? Yes. Now. Diana Dawes was in the movie. She wasn't oh, a right. star. She was a supporting oh, okay. role. Right. Yeah. She was a supporting role and she was in the movie. And you know, it was about her beauty pageant and everything else. Um, actually, it was re-released in the in the US under the name Bikini Baby in 53, <laughs> a couple of years later. And Diana Dawes was billed as the lead role. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1956, Diana Dawes made a movie called Yield to the Night. Now, this is not based on, but the... On, on Ruth Ellis, but it's remarkably similar story. Wow, wow. So, Ruth, the real Ruth Ellis was in the movie with Diana Dawes a few years before she died. And, and in the following Dawes year, Diana Dawes played a role that was... Effectively played her. Effectively wow, played wow. her, yeah. Which is interesting. But for my money, the, uh, the quintessential Ruth Ellis role uh, was played by Miranda Richardson in 1985's Dance with a Stranger. Is her nose as pretty as mine? Uh, Rupert Everett played Blakely. Yuck! And the late great Ian Holm played Cousin. Oh, God! <laughs> no no walk-on part from Nigel Havers. No walk-on part from Nigel Havers, no. Nigel Havers is, of course, uh, grandson of Judge Havers. Well, that's all for this time. If you want to know more about what we've discussed over the course of this episode, then just Google it or something. Join us next time when we'll be similarly discussing and digressing on another event in true crime history. Until then, my thanks to Jed and Rue, my name's Mark, and we'll see you on the next date in our true crime diary. <laughs>